Surah Muhammad, Surah number 47, ayah number 36. A'udhu billahi min shaitan irrajim, bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Innama al-hayat al-dunya la'ibun wa lah. وَإِن تُؤْمِنُوا وَتَتَّقُوا يُؤْتِكُمْ أُجُورَكُمْ وَلَا يَسْأَلْكُمْ أَمْوَالَكُمْ إِنْ يَسْأَلْكُمُوهَا فَيُحْفِكُمْ تَبْخَلُوا وَيُخْرِجْ أَضْغَانَكُمْ So in this surah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brings to the surface the Iman of the Prophet the Iman of the Sahaba and is challenging the assumptions of the Kuffar as to how they see Muslims and how they see Islam so developing that mindset uh, requires certain psychological convictions and one of those convictions is mentioned in this ayah what is your theory of the world what is your world view what is your view of the world and so on so this is the um, underpinning consciousness that every Muslim should have. And that indeed this life, the life of this dunya, of this world, is nothing except play and amusement. Life is play, love is amusement, meaning it's a fantasy. That life in this world is just not real. It's an optical illusion, basically. And it's nothing worth dying over, nothing worth bending backwards over, and so on. So, this is the mindset the Quran uh, seeks to develop in every Muslim that the Muslim sees the temporality of this world, of this life, and the Muslim doesn't get fixated on solving all the problems of the world as a world view. Can we solve all the problems of the world? You can. It may not help you, though. That's number one. Number two, what is... In this world is simply a means of play and amusement in the sense that it's for a child. So the life of a child is about play and enjoyment and pleasure. Uh, they wake up, they do what they do, eat breakfast, go out and play, uh, get tired, come back for lunch, go out and play again and come back and sleep, basically. That's the child's life. 
which is fine as long as they grow up and they come out of it. So human beings, they, they should not become that childish or remain that childish that they simply don't see the serious side of life where they simply don't want to produce anything for themselves or for others and then they don't want to do anything for their own lives after they die. So the point in Islam is that there is a temporary life and there's a permanent life. So you build your permanent life based on your temporary life. And you can't build your temporary life by assuming that this life is now permanent. No. This life is not permanent, it is uh, transitory, and it is as if you're uh, riding a train and you go to a station where you rest for a couple of hours and then you have to change trains and then you go to your eventual destination. So if somebody takes that two-hour rest and that station where they rest as permanent, and then definitely miss the other train, they'll miss their connection and they'll be deprived of any success or glory after they die. This is the mindset the Qur'an now, uh, as I said, seeks to create in every Muslim, especially with the Prophet and the Sahaba, uh, that they became more aggressive because they knew there's another life to live for. Hmm? So, this idea of the Akhirah being somewhat fatalistic and somehow uh, creating a sense of lethargy and uh, inertia, that is wrong. When you know that uh, you're going to go to another place and you need funds when you go there, you need provisions when you go there, the Quran calls Zad provisions, then you know you're going to now do everything to make sure you have enough over there. So it makes you more aggressive. So if you have the idea that if I do a good deed today, that's better than waiting for trying to do a good deed tomorrow. So you don't procrastinate if you believe in the Akhirah, because you may not have that time again, which you don't. Once that moment is gone, then you cannot recreate that same moment. You have to wait for another moment. And then when you procrastinate there, then you lose everything. So this mindset of belief in the Akhirah and assuming that this life is a temporary life and it's a life that, yeah, you can enjoy a few things here and there. But at the end of the day, when you get old and uh, when you can no longer move yourself, and so on. You need a lot of help. So at the end of your life, you become like a child as you were in the beginning of your life. So see life for what it is outside of life. So the objective view is that instead of trying to fool yourself and say, uh, this is the only life, uh, think about the other life. And so, on. so when you have this, then it's easy for you to sacrifice. The whole idea of the surah, as you can see from the beginning, is uh, creating the ability of Muslims to sacrifice themselves, their lives, their money, their wealth for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay. But if you don't have an end goal other than this life, then you won't sacrifice this life. You'll say, no, I have to make do with whatever I have now, which is not going to create a dynamic community and so on. 
The proof is in the early Muslims. The early Muslims did so much that we cannot even fathom or appreciate what they did. They did so much in their lives as if they were going to live here forever, but also they knew that they weren't going to live here forever. So the amount of Mashallah, sacrifice they, 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 they made during the time of the Prophet وسلم, and the amount of sacrifice they made after the Prophet وسلم, is the reason why Islam spread. Islam doesn't sp spread because people are lethargic and inert and lazy and they don't have a vision or they don't have a mission and so on. So expansionism requires that you're all visionary and you're willing to sacrifice for that vision. That vision being living in Jannah. So it wasn't expansionism because of territorial gain. It was expansionism because you wanted to promote a good life for all people, meaning in the Akhirah. And that's how Islam eventually spread because Muslims spread out everywhere, all the way from the Atlantic to China, basically, in a very short time. Okay. So they were very aggressive. They were aggressive in their knowledge. They're aggressive in their learning. They're aggressive in their architecture. They're aggressive in their culture. They're aggressive in their dress, in their cuisine. They're aggressive on so many platforms okay, that people blame Islam uh, for being retrogressive and for being anti, what's it called, advancement and anti-progress. Uh, so it's simply not true. Just look at our civilization. You can't build that civilization because Muslims were against progress or they were inert or lazy or they didn't want anything to do with anything else and so on. And then they just visit the Muslim countries. You can't build that. Uh, <laughs> if, well, number one, you're stupid. Huh? You can't govern for... A thousand years if you're stupid, if you're not intellectual, if you're not rich, if you're not uh, on point, if you're not organized, if you're not structured, if you don't have a mission, vision, as I said. But that was all on the basis of this, of these types of ayat, where you see, okay, this is just a dream. I'm going to come out of this dream one day, and I'm going to go into a better place. So if you don't have that in your mind, then you will expand, but you will be brutal in your expansion. You'll commit genocide all over the world and you just kill people indiscriminately and there'll be no khair in whatever you do except exploitation. The Muslims, when they expanded, they didn't exploit. They allowed human beings to be human beings and they didn't force anything down their throats. And, so, and they also built the community in which they lived. Anyway, so this is now the mindset. So it's a, it's a psychological state of mind that this world is temporary. I can handle the problems of this world because I know there's another world in which there is now absolute bliss and eternal peace and so on. Mm. If you believe and if you have now taqwa and you fear Allah, then he will give you your reward, basically. Allah is not somebody who is ungrateful and does not appreciate what you do. Allah says about himself, Inna Allah ghafoorun shakur. Allah is ever forgiving and he is very, very grateful. So out of his gratefulness and appreciation for what you do, 
He will reward you. And that's all you can ask for. And then after a hard day's work, at the end of the day, you're rewarded. And sometimes you're given a bonus on top of the reward. He's not asking you for all of your wealth. He's not asking you to spend and expend everything that you have and which you've earned. He's just asking you to have this mindset that even what I own and earn here is temporary and I can use it for a better cause, a cause where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give me permanent abode and permanent luxury on the day of judgment in Jannah, inshallah. So he's not asking you for a lot. If somebody asks you to give two and a half percent of what you own, that's not being cruel. How much taxes do you pay in this country or taxes which was built on the premise of paying no taxes to the king? So what did they do? They made you pay taxes. Country of taxes. And you pay taxes on your your gas, you pay taxes in your grocery store, you pay taxes on your phone bill, and you pay taxes on your electric bill, and income tax, and the federal tax, and tax, tax, tax. Nobody seems to complain. If they do, they still pay it. Right. Allah says, give me two and a half percent. Oh, two and a half percent. Such a burden. If you just pay zakat, the Muslim ummah will be very rich, but they don't pay zakat the way they're supposed to. Anyway. إِنْ يَسَلْكُمُهَا فَيُحْفِكُمْ تَبْخَلُوا وَيُخْرِجْ أَبْغَانُهُمْ If he was to ask you to spend all your wealth, then it will be very disturbing for you. You'll be very unhappy. That will make you very miserable, as I said, paying a little bit here. Unfortunately, it's kind of outrageous that local masajid, they're not able to pay their monthly bills because nobody who comes to Juma gives any money. It's scandalous. And why does the money of the masjid people, why do they even need to announce, give us money to run the masjid? That's even more scandalous. Ah, so there's now this, فَتَبْخَلُوا You'll become stingy. Right, the usual mindset, if somebody's asking for money, don't give. That's the community now. He's asking money. We need money to run the masjid. Who gives? Nobody gives. Unfortunately, 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 people tell me how much money they collect. $50 sometimes, $100 sometimes. And they expect the masjid people to not run the masjid. Right? They can't do that if you're stingy. Yeah. So these ayat tell you that, first of all, your life in this world is temporary. And number two, that whatever you earn and own is also temporary. This will be taken away from you as soon as you die. So why are you being so stingy? Why can't you run the affairs of the Muslim Ummah as a collective unit? The problem, unfortunately, as how I see it, is that this, this capitalism creates and breeds a sense of individualism and not of collectivism. 
Whereas in most other civilizations, there's a sense of collectivism, not not individualism. Uh, this is about me, me, me. So, when other communities, you are going to do things that are better for the community as a whole, not for you and your family, which is unfortunately the demise of uh, human standards of behavior and so on. So anyway, uh, that's just a, a footnote to this discussion. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, if he was to ask you to give more money, uh, you would, number one, you'll be become, you'll be miserable for yuhikum. Mm. And you'll be stingy, you know, bukhul. You don't want to part with something is mine. Mm. This idea is mine and not Allah's. It's the, the reason why, unfortunately, Muslims are the way they are, especially here in the Western countries. Mm. And then he will then bring out whatever you have as hidden anger and hidden ill will. Something that Allah will expose your bukhul. Allah will expose your stinginess. So you don't want to be embarrassed by being exposed, neither in this world or in the world hereafter. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is encouraging, especially those who don't want to part with their wealth and who don't want to sacrifice their time for the sake of Allah, that uh, you better be careful, mm. which is one of the greatest warnings in the Quran, as you can see in the next ayah. Hmm? Next ayah is a very intimidating ayah of the Quran, very, uh, I would say, um, spine chilling. Hmm? It's a kind of word you might want to use for the next ayah. It is a threat, and fortunately uh, that threat sometimes is now upheld by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ha antum ha ulai tud'awna litunfiqu fi sabeel. Here it is, all of you. Here you are. Ha antum ha. All of you here. It is what? Uh, that you are being called and summoned to spend in the path of Allah. To give in the path of Allah. That in the path of Allah you must give so that you can create your communal infrastructure and you think as a collective unit and not as an individual. Mm. So Allah wants you to spend in the path of Allah, in the cause of Allah, build your masajid, build your schools, build your communities, build whatever infrastructure you want in the business sense, build a, a Muslim bazaar. Mm. Nobody thinks of that, no? Muslim bazaar. Mm. A collective Muslim bazaar will change the landscape of the USA if Muslims got their act together. So Allah is calling, and this calling is not that somebody is there on a microphone telling you to call. It's an internal call. It's a subconscious call. It's a calling, as they say, meaning it's in you. And you can see the writings on the wall. Muslims need help. And in, in, in the White House, that's going to help you ever. It's not these government agencies are going to help you. It is the Muslim who is going to help you. So now you must exhort each other, encourage each other to spend in the path of Allah. You spend so much on so many things that are for amusement, as in the first time. You spend for amusement, you spend for happiness and joy, 
conveniences and luxuries. Now spend for this. Where you're all on the same boat. If you understand that as a collective unit, you're all on the same boat. You're riding the same boat. You're all on the same ship. So now you must do everything to make sure that the ship doesn't capsize or sink. Then that's how think collectively, not as an individual. This is about you as a Muslim community. So Allah is calling you. You, are, you, are, you have been called. And the calling is your conscious awareness and your subconscious and your own sense of guilt. Now every Muslim feels guilty whenever somebody asks them to do something for Allah. Uh, 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 uh. I got a soccer match. I have to take my kid to a soccer match. That's the usual excuse. There are other excuses too. But anyway, I'm just saying that the mindset of the Muslim in this eye, this eye is very, very strict. It's very frightening, as you'll see at the end. There are those amongst you who are stingy, won't spend a dime, wouldn't care whether the bills of the masjid are paid or not, whether institutions are running or not, or whether the community is thriving or not. And whoever is stingy, then he is stingy against himself. He is the one that suffers because of his stinginess, because now you're miserable, everybody around you is miserable, and everybody around you will make sure you remain miserable. So that's how in the previous life, it will make you miserable. If he starts asking you, demanding from you that you spend, you'll become miserable because you're miserly. Because stinginess does that. The effect of stinginess is anxiety. The effect of stinginess is anger. The effect of stinginess is a very, very restricted life and lifestyle where you don't have what they call in Arabic samaha, uh, this openness, this accommodation, and this generosity, which is totally antithetical to the seerah of the Prophet What the Prophet did is that he made everybody like him. He made them accommodating. And he made them generous where they would give freely and not as from the point of view of pain. You know, stingy people, it's very painful for them to spend. They'll never take their wallet out. They'll never take their card out. They won't say anything, do anything. They're stingy. So Allah says, whoever is now stingy, is stingy against himself. He's the one who suffers from these mental illnesses and diseases and anxieties and depression and misery and all of that. Whereas a generous person, he's generous, he's comedy. He has an open heart, he has an open chest, and he's usually okay with the status quo. He doesn't go around whining, bickering, and complaining about life and so on. Wallahu al-ghaniyu. Allah is the one who is absolutely uh, independent in terms of money, wealth, prestige, esteem, anything that a human being wants. Allah is independent of those human needs. Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he is rich, al-ghani, but the richness 
is out of independence. Okay. Yeah, that's why the Prophet said, that the true richness is the richness of the heart and of the self, of the conscious, where you're not in need of money to make you happy. If money makes you happy, you're dependent on money, uh, which is obviously what we call a deficiency. And then you're not independent. You have to be free from the idea that you want everything in this world, because this world is temporary until never last. So Allah is now totally above the world. He creates the world. He's in no need of anyone saying anything to him, doing anything for him, nor is he in need of your money. He's the one who gave you the money in the first place. So when he's asking you for money or wealth, he's asking you for what is his in the first place. Not something that you can exclusively say that you own and you earn and so on. So Allah is rich and he is independent because he doesn't need anything. He doesn't need a favor from people. But you, you're all destitute. Uh, you're all totally dependent. Not just on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but everything that Allah has created for you in this world. If Allah didn't create for you the earth, the moon, the sun, the stars, and the planets, you would not be able to live. And if Allah didn't give you life, you would not exist. And so, so you are totally dependent. Yeah, you are total misers in the sense that you have nothing to show for yourself and say this is what you own. Yeah. So now this is the calling. Allah is calling you to spend from your own wealth, your own earnings, asking you to spend from your own time. And Allah is asking you, even though he doesn't need you. So he's asking you for your own favor uh, and for your own well-being and eternal uh, blessings and happiness, felicity, whatever words you want to use, inshallah. But when if you turn away and if you reject this calling and if you now go blind and deaf and dumb about this calling, he will now replace you with another group of people. He will replace you. He will replace you. With the people that are other than you. Meaning that if you don't do what he wants you to do, he'll get rid of you and he'll replace you because it's easy for Allah to replace. That's just now a historical fact also. This has happened in Muslim history several times where groups of people were now persecuted because they're Muslim and then Allah replenished the Ummah with another group so that Islam survives. So Islam's now survival does not depend on you being Muslim because Allah is very capable of creating other people who are better Muslims than you are, unfortunately. Yeah. But there, as you see, the, the Tatars, they came into the, the Muslim uh, land, the Baghdad and uh, the other territories that Muslims had. And Muslims were brutally, brutally executed. Then a couple of decades later, what happened? They became Muslim. 
So that group of Muslims was replaced by another group. And they became Bayer Muslims. And then they developed the Muslim civilization and took it to another level. And this happens all the time in history. So, I mean, if you read human history, and for those who were willing to participate in the communal affairs of the community, willing to sacrifice their time, their money, their wealth, and willing to fight for what is the truth and expand the truth, they remained, mashallah. But when they became stooped into luxury, and their only goal was to enjoy life through Islam, then Allah said, enough. I don't need you. And Islam doesn't need you. So they were persecuted, they were executed. And they were driven away from the lands that they cherished and they worked for and they kind of uh, labored for and so on. So this ayah is a very severe ayah. And uh, unfortunately it's here in the Quran, which is in the surah, which is named Surah Muhammad وسلم, to show you that in order for you to survive as a Muslim, you need to do Islam. You cannot survive as a Muslim if you don't do Islam. Islam is the reason why you're Muslim. So you must be Muslim. And the way to be Muslim is to be willing to sacrifice. You must have this inner desire to sacrifice the way that people sacrifice for their amusement and their play and their joy and their fun. And the luxuries of this life, they sacrifice day and night. MashaAllah, they'll be up in the morning, whether they're students and they'll be up late, uh, whether they're businessmen or they're working. Okay, people will sacrifice their time and they're willing to sacrifice their money for the pleasures of this world. And sometimes thousands of dollars and millions of dollars uh, people spend in their education, in their work, in their business. And they have to protect all of that too. So there's another emotional component that you're expending all your emotions into something that is going to die one day. And you're not spending enough time for something that's going to remain permanent and stay with you even after you die. So this is now the communal da'wah, the communal calling for all Muslims. This is for the community, not just for the individual. Yes, the individual is there. And so now, can you sacrifice some time for Allah? Can you sacrifice some money for Allah and for the path of Allah and so on? If you can, then this ayah will not fall upon you. And unfortunately, if you cannot, then this ayah will fall upon you. It's just a natural cause and effect. It's not a curse. It's not a baddha. It's just the way things are in history. <laughs> yeah, if you read history and you the rise and fall of nations and all the other books that people are now always talking about. It shows you that. Ibn Khaldun shows you the natural order of history. This is how history works. This cause and this effect. You will not be spared because you're a pious individual. You have to do the communal thing. Get other people involved. Make it a communal activity where you're not the only one doing this. As I say, you're, you're on the same ship. So the Prophet ﷺ likened the Ummah to passengers on a two-deck uh, ship, basically. One is on the upper deck and the other is on the lower deck. And if the people on the lower deck decide to do something foolish, uh, like drill a hole in the bottom, um, and the people on the upper deck say, none of our business, 
Okay, then they will die. This is the example of this ummah, the Prophet the communal kind of understanding uh, how Islam has to be uh, practiced and implemented for the sake of Allah and for the sake of the community and so on. So this one is saying that now when your ship capsizes, we'll create another ship with other passengers and they'll replace you. Very severe and stern warning that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is now giving us so that we may take heed and so on. So this surah, Surah Muhammad, is also named Surah Al-Qital. The surah of Qital, fighting and killing and jihad and so on. This is not because Islam is promoting fighting, killing for the sake of fighting, killing, but it's for the sake of making sure you're willing to sacrifice for whatever it is you believe in. People sacrifice their lives for democracy and for protecting the interests of democracy on the other side of the globe. Okay, and they train and they practice and they enroll and they're drafted and they're willing to die and then they're seen as heroes with honor and so on. This is the state of the people who are fixed and fixated with this world. That you have a whole institution called the Pentagon and the defense and all of that where they spend billions of dollars every year. They have budgets running in the billions of dollars because they're willing to sacrifice as a community. So it's not about killing. It's about making sure you protect your own interests and you protect your deen and you make sure that everybody else who is now with you in this community is also going to be in Jannah with you. So we're not here to, as I said, commit genocide or anything like that. We're here to promote will, goodwill and help others go into, come into Jannah, inshallah, with us all together. Inshallah. So this surah talks about the dimensions that are now necessary for the survival of a community. And it's all about the community here, the ummah, as we know it, that you, you have to spend. If you don't spend, you will not get anywhere. Other communities here, they spend. They have a communal spirit and they do things. And we always look at them in shock, amazement, surprise sometimes. Sometimes with contempt also. But the work has to be done. It doesn't matter how you slice the orange. It's the same thing. You have to do the work. If you're not willing to do the work, then you shouldn't be saying anything at all. Whatsoever. So the, the idea that we live as a collective whole and we do not survive if we are not united in our efforts and in our near, uh, especially. So there are many ways you can spend. You can spend obviously on yourself and your children and your family or your own education, whatever it is that you do for yourselves as a family. But then you must expand the family to the community. The community now also becomes your family. That is the spirit of Islam. It's not socialism, it's Islam. And the socialists is only worried about money and equal rights and equal opportunities. And where Muslims are more than that, much more than that. They are much more altruistic, much more generous. They actually feel okay, for their brothers and sisters. And that feeling now has to be not only revived, but also executed in the community, it's not just lip service, uh, talking about the hadith of the Prophet where 
he wants Muslims to be brothers. And there's an actual participation in the communal effort. Well, as they say, show me the money. Desire hmm. is saying, Allah is saying, show me the money. What do you have? You have no control over your spending in other affairs, but you control yourself when you want to spend for the Ummah. There you're controlled and you're restrictive. In other areas, you're not controlled, you're not restrictive. You do whatever it takes to make you happy. So anyway, so this, as I said, and unfortunately it is there, though unfortunately it's there in the Quran for those who take heed. Unfortunately it's there for those who don't take heed. So we must now just listen with our hearts, with an open mind, and with a certain amount of trust and love for Allah subhanahu wa that Allah is now saying things that are going to help us here in this world, in this community, especially in Darul Kufr, where we don't have the species of a Muslim government, a Muslim civilization. And the only way for us to succeed is to follow these prescriptions. And prescriptions are prescriptions, basically. Nobody wants to take medicine. So if you see the Quran as a prescription, it's medicine. And medicine is always bitter. <laughs> That's why the Quran says it's a shifa. It's a cure. It's a cure for those minds and hearts and consciousness that are not in line with the nur of Allah, the nur of the Quran, the nur of the Prophet. Anyway, Allah make it easy for us to be Muslim. Allah make it easy for us to practice Islam here and everyone else. And Allah give us all the Barakat of Islam and the Quran and uh, raise us amongst Muslims and allow us all to enter as a community in Jannah. Ameen ya Rabbil Alameen. Wa sallallahu ta'ala ala khayl khalq. Muhammadin wa alihi wa sahabihi 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 wa sahab